All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Mark. In this recording, we are going to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 45. But before we jump into that, just a reminder that if you love the listener's commentary, but you want more than the audio, the best place to get that is at the listener's commentary study hub. If you get tired of jumping all over the internet trying to find uh, information about a Bible passage or things that will help you study the Bible or you find things on the internet but you're not sure if it's reliable, I'm trying to bring a bunch of that stuff together inside the study hub to help you dig in and study the Bible on your own. And so you can swing over to the listenerscommentary.com, click in the upper right-hand corner study hub. You can find some information there. If you set up a monthly recurring donation to my ministry, you also get free access to the study hub. So check out the Listener's Commentary Study Hub if you want to dig into the Bible on your own, if you want to use it to prepare Bible studies or lessons or even sermons. The study hub is a great place to simplify your online Bible study. All right, let's jump into Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 45. We are early on in the Gospel of Mark, but Mark jumps right into the ministry of Jesus from the get-go. He does so with a bang uh, where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath right at the beginning of Mark's gospel. And Mark emphasized in that teaching in the synagogue the reaction of the crowd. They were amazed because Jesus taught as one with authority. Mark actually opens and closes that first big scene in our preceding section with those words about Jesus' authority. And in the middle, Jesus casts a demon out of a man in the synagogue, which both reveals and displays to the watching crowd his authority. Well, following that opening scene of Jesus' ministry, Mark records Jesus performing other miracles, casting out more demons, all as examples of Jesus' authority. So here in this recording, Mark 1, 29 and following, we're going to get some miracles. We're going to get references to him casting out other demons. A couple of other strands that get woven into this scene is Jesus' growing reputation and popularity. We saw that at the end of our last recording, how his, the news about him spreading everywhere. Well, that continues. And then we see Jesus trying to keep people from spreading the news about him, as we saw in the last recording as well. And so this section brings together all of these three themes to emphasize Jesus' authority and his spreading popularity, his growing fame and reputation. The first little bit of this scene involves Peter's mother-in-law. Here's what happens. Mark chapter 1, verse 29, and immediately after they left the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So it's the same day as the preceding paragraph. They were at the synagogue for uh, Sabbath services when Jesus cast the demon out of the man in the synagogue service. It's the same day. Synagogue service is over. They leave the synagogue. They return to Simon and Andrew's house. James and John are with him. So Jesus, James, John, uh, Simon, and Andrew all go to Simon Peter's house. And just a bit of a historical note, if you visit Capernaum today, you will uh, see there a home uh, that has been honored as Peter and Andrew's home from the days of the early church. It's only about 100 feet or so from the synagogue. Uh, Good chance that that is Peter's actual house there in Capernaum. 
And so they return here in this scene from the synagogue to Peter's house in Capernaum. And here's what happened. Verse 30. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And so they returned to Simon and Andrew's home. Uh, Simon's mother-in-law is apparently living at the house with them, um, which would suggest that that her husband is dead. It would also suggest that she maybe doesn't have any male children to take care of her. We're not 100% certain, but she is there at Simon's home. And she is sick with a fever. And so they mention that to Jesus. And verse 31, he came to her, Jesus, and he raised her up, taking her by the hand. The fever left her and she served them. And so immediately Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law and she sets about taking care of them, preparing food or whatever is necessary to make sure they are cared for after the synagogue service. Now, when evening came, verse 32, after the sun had set. Why this note of the time, evening and after the sun had set? Well, that's to emphasize that the Sabbath is over. Uh, the time measurement was sunset to sunset. That's how the Jews tended to keep time. And the Sabbath service then went from sunset on what we would call Friday to sunset on what we would call Saturday. And so uh, that was the Sabbath. And so to, to emphasize that the Sabbath is over, Mark notes that evening had come, the sun had set, the Sabbath is over. And so they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. In other words, the townsfolk, as the news about Jesus had began to spread, the townsfolk waited till the Sabbath was over and then they brought their sick people and more demon-possessed people to Jesus so that he could heal them. In fact, so many people came that Mark says in verse 33, the whole city gathered at the door. And so uh, you just have tons of people gathering outside of Simon and Andrew's house. Tons of people bringing sick people. The streets are packed. They're outside the door. It's it's a jam-packed situation. And verse 34, Jesus healed many who were ill with various diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And so all these people gather at the door. Jesus spends a Saturday evening healing people, casting demons out of people. All of this is further evidence of his authority, that he has he's coming with real authority, authority over the dark spiritual powers, the demons, authority over diseases. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. And so Jesus is now um, here ministering with great authority. He's not letting uh, the demons speak because they knew who he was. And we mentioned in our last recording that there's really two reasons for that. One, bad press. You don't want demons being your marketing agent, right? And also, Jesus really wants to control when and how the message about him gets out. He's got work to do to prepare his disciples and to train his disciples and to lay the groundwork for the kingdom that he's bringing into the world. And there's just so many conflicting opinions about the Messiah that he needs to teach and he needs to work before things get out of hand. One of the ways he's trying to do that is he's doing the best he can to kind of keep the word about him on the download. It's not working so well, but that's what he's trying to do. And so he's not letting the demons speak because they're going to testify to who he is. So that's Saturday evening. 
He's, that's how he spends Saturday evening after the Sabbath. Verse 35 says what happens the next morning. And early in the morning, what we would call Sunday morning, the day after the Sabbath, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and prayed there for a time. And so he gets up early. Notice, while it's still dark, that is before daylight comes and other people start getting up and moving about the city so he can get out of town before he gets noticed. That's why he goes so early in the morning, um, because if he gets up and people are already about at sunup getting ready for the day, which is when people typically got started on their day, he would get noticed. And so he has to get up before they do. So he gets up while it's dark presumably goes somewhere outside of town into the hills around Capernaum uh, to a secluded place by himself and prays. And all the Gospels note that this was a priority for Jesus, that he did this regularly. He got up early and he prayed. He went off by himself and he prayed. This is a key to Jesus' ministry. This is a key to Jesus remaining centered so that he could deal with the pressure and the crowds and all that was coming at him. This was a key to Jesus' power, was his prayer life. And one of the things we need to remember is that uh, Jesus called people to be disciples. Jesus called his disciples to make disciples. That is, Jesus called disciples. Christians are disciples, and disciples imitate their master. And since this was a priority for Jesus, set aside times of prayer, planned times of prayer like this, need to be priorities for those of us who are disciples of Jesus as well. And so, we need to follow him in this regard as well. So Jesus gets up early while it's dark, goes off to a secluded, quiet place, and he prays there for a time. Well, when Simon and his companions wake up, they can't find Jesus. So verse 36, Simon and his companions eagerly searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone's looking for you. I mean, he had been busy the night before healing people, casting out demons. His notoriety is growing. And so now everyone in and about town is searching for Jesus. And Jesus, verse 38, said to them, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there, for this is why I came. And so Jesus feeling the pressure from all these people, doesn't want to be just trapped in Capernaum uh, doing ministry there. He wants to go out and spread the word in other places as well. And so he begins traveling throughout the towns of Galilee near Capernaum, teaching and preaching. In fact, verse 39 says he went into their synagogues, preaching throughout Galilee and casting out the demons. And so Jesus is now beginning to travel from town to town, place to place, preaching in the synagogues in various towns throughout Galilee. While he's preaching, he's casting out demons. So this is the third time uh, here in a very short space that Mark has emphasized Jesus' ministry of casting out demons. He's taking back the world for himself. He's bringing his kingdom into the world, exerting his authority, even over the dark spiritual powers that have held people captive. So in verse 28 in our previous section, and here, Mark has noted that Jesus' ministry is beginning to spread all throughout and all around Galilee. Now here, at this point then, beginning in verse 40, Mark zeroes in on a specific scene, another snapshot of Jesus' authority and compassion. This time, it's with a man who has leprosy. 
Jesus here is going to heal a man and bring him ceremonial purification, which then will reunite him with the community from whom he's been isolated. That's what happens beginning in verse 40. Here's what it says. And a man with leprosy came to Jesus. So as Jesus's uh, reputation is growing, and as Jesus began traveling throughout the towns of Galilee, somewhere, uh, at some place, we're not given the specifics, uh, a man with leprosy comes to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling down and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So this man has leprosy. Modern day, this word refers to Hansen's disease. But in the ancient world, in the Bible, it includes that, but it refers to a broader range of skin diseases and skin issues as well. And leprosy, these skin diseases that uh, is referred to by this word, it made you ceremonially unclean. And that kept you separate and isolated from the community. You were supposed to withdraw from them because you could pass on ritual impurity to people. And thus, you needed to be separate and isolated. You can see the details of how the Old Testament law addressed this in Leviticus 13 and 14. So this man has leprosy. He's separate from the community and isolated he is unclean and thus unable to really engage in normal Jewish community life. But this man also has complete confidence in Jesus. Notice he's imploring him. He's begging intensely. He's kneeling down in humility and submission before him. And he's saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He's got complete confidence in Jesus. He dares to come near to Jesus in spite of his social isolation, and he kneels before him, showing him honor with a clear request. Make me clean. I know you can do it. Well, Jesus has cast out an unclean demon. Now he's going to purge someone of an unclean disease. Look at verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. The first thing to note here is that you should at least be aware there's a textual tradition that reads being angry, not uh, with compassion. Most manuscripts have compassion. It seems to be the stronger tradition. And so hence here, compassion. If it is angry, it's not that Jesus is angry at the man. He's angry at the disease. He's angry at the uncleanness. He's angry at what it stands for and how it's uh, damaged the man. But most uh, textual traditions have uh, compassion, and so I think it's the better reading. So moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. That is an absolute radical action. Instead of drawing back, as most would have, instead of drawing back and drawing his disciples back, as most rabbis would have, Jesus leaned in and reached out and he touched this man. And again, he's not like, technically, he's not supposed to do that. Like by the law, touching a leper makes you unclean. In fact, they were almost viewed with the same sort of defiling properties as like a corpse. A corpse made you ritually unclean, so you couldn't participate in worship. Well, leprosy did the same thing. But Jesus, Jesus actually leans in and touches him. Does Jesus not care about the 
the idea of being ceremonially unclean? Is it that he's like, I'll deal with the uncleanness because this man is too important? Possibly, but probably not. Um, since in the following verses, Jesus actually tells the man to go through with the proper rituals for being certified as clean and thus being able to rejoin the community. He tells him to go visit the priest, like, just as the law taught. And so he tells him to follow the law's instructions, which means he's not just disregarding the law. So what's going on? Well, what is likely going on is that Jesus is is reversing the direction of clean and unclean. That is, instead of the man's uncleanness making Jesus ritually unclean, Jesus's purity and cleanness flows from him to the man making the man clean. In other words, Jesus has so much authority that he, simply by his power and authority, he cleanses this man instead of the man making him unclean. And so verse 42, when Jesus touches him, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And so Jesus in touching him, now by his authority and power, he cleans this man, richly speaking. And then verse 43, he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. What did he warn him? Well, what he warns him is not to tell anyone. Look at verse 44. And he said to him, See to it that uh, you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So he sternly warns him, Don't tell anybody about this. Why? Well, it's for the same main reason that Jesus didn't want a demon-possessed man telling people about him. He's really trying to control the time and the manner that his identity as Messiah gets out. It's a means of crowd control while he's trying to get things started before things get out of hand. Uh, And so he urges this man not to say anything, but instead Follow the instructions found in the Old Testament law. There in Leviticus 14, the priest is supposed to inspect the man, certify that indeed the disease is gone so that the man can return to his family and to his community. In this way, the man is not just healed physically, but he's restored socially as well. And so Jesus sends him off for that person so that he can be restored to his community. But what happened? Well, look at verse 45. The man, he, went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news all around. He let everyone know what had happened to him. He let everyone know that Jesus had healed him and cleansed him. Um, And so he spread the news all around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but he stayed out in unpopulated areas. And so instead of crowd control happening. Now the crowds keep growing. More and more people are flocking to Jesus whenever he enters into a city. There's so many people come to him. They want healing from him, right? His reputation has grown so much that it's really hard for Jesus to enter into any town or city around Galilee. So he's staying out in the countryside and people are coming to him from everywhere. And so the man's excitement gets the best of him. He tells everyone that he can that Jesus healed him. And now Jesus has a crowd control problem and he has to stay out in the countryside. But people still keep finding him and coming to him there in the countryside. And so in these first two snapshots from Jesus' ministry, Mark has highlighted the impact of Jesus' ministry and the growth of his popularity. We saw in 128 
where Mark said, immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding region of Galilee. And then we saw in verse 39 of this section that Jesus went into their synagogues preaching throughout Galilee, casting out demons. And now here he's having to stay in unpopulated areas because people from all the cities are flocking to Jesus. And so Jesus' popularity is growing, his notoriety and his fame are growing. Uh, and so Jesus now got a bit of a crowd control problem on his hands. And as we wrap up this section, just this reflection, and that's this, that Jesus' authority is now on full display. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He heals crowds of sick people. He casts out demons. He cleanses a leper. And his authority is attracting attention and drawing a crowd. And in the middle of it all, Jesus uh, has this habit of private personal prayer, which is his key to really his ability to handle the crowds and to minister to all these people. Jesus loves the people. He ministers to the people, but he also knows he needs to withdraw from the people so that he can pray and remain connected to his father. And so this is how Mark sets up the beginning of Jesus' ministry and how Jesus' ministry then begins to grow from this point forward as Mark continues to tell the story of Jesus and his bringing in of the kingdom of God.